Good morning. We actually ran here, so no issues. Going to be reading from Luke 6, uh, just by way of introduction to it. Uh, you were made to receive God's love. That's a core uh, truth. And you were made to release God's love to everybody in your life. And sometimes that love gets blocked. It might get blocked on the receiving. You may really, frankly, not believe that God loves you. It may get blocked in the releasing. You may have a very hard time loving other people. And this morning, we're going to dive into one of the more challenging calls to love our enemies. And my hope and my prayer for you this morning, City Reformed Church, is that that spirit takes that word and drills it right into your hearts and that you receive God's love and that you release God's love to everybody in your life, your enemies, your friends, one another, as a witness. Guys, we live in an angry age, don't we? I mean, it is a nasty kind of world out there. It's embattled, it's angry, and the church is called and equipped and sent to be a community that loves even her enemies. And so reading from Luke 6. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. That would be like your undergarment either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Normally when I preach, I start at the beginning of the passage and go through it. Uh, It's pretty unconventional, but that's what I do. Uh, We're going to flip that around, though. I think it's really important to, in some ways, start at the end of this passage. I'm going to hit three themes today. The first is that God is the source of all love. The second is that the devil is the source of all evil. And the third is that loving the enemies of your past is often a critical step, a critical step, to releasing you to love the enemies you face today and the enemies you face tomorrow. 
And so as we begin, we begin right at the end. And just look at that last few verses there. What Jesus says about the Father, the Most High. Jesus says, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as, and, and, the, and the word next is really important, your father, not the, just the father. Jesus says, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. And everything Jesus says about the love of God is totally consistent, right? Well, think about the call to worship we read this morning. What was the refrain that we repeated every other line? His love endures forever. And then it perked up again in uh, the passage from Lamentations, in our confession. We look and we know we're forgiven of our sins. And Lamentation directs us right back to God and says, his love endures forever. His mercies are new every single morning. No one invented love. Hallmark didn't invent love. The hippies didn't invent love. God is the source of all love. That's like the root of it all. Because Jesus is saying, if you're children of the Father, and the Father is love, and the Father is loving to his enemies, then if you're in that kind of family, the Father is summoning you to love your enemies also. And to come at God and to understand that the Lord, God, is the, is the root and the source and even the standard of love is really important because we tend to live in like a humanist world where we see people and people are the measure of what's good, we're the measure of what's bad. And the Bible teaches just time after time after time, God is love, God is compassion, God is the God of grace and mercy and justice and holiness Yet his love is held up so constantly. I hope you know how much God loves you. Because if you don't, you'll never love your enemies. It'll be too risky. But when you know how dear you are to the Father, how much he loves you, displayed on the cross, new possibilities open up in your heart, and God's love is received, and it comes in, and it saturates the hard, hurt, wounded places, and it heals because it is real, and it is given to his children. When you understand God is the source of all love. There is one immediate practical implication for our lives. If you're here as a Christian, there are immediate practical applications for you. When, uh, when my kids were younger, hold on, I keep feeling like I'm going to kick over the cup of water by a put by my own feet. I'm not. All right. <laughs> when, when my kids were younger, we thought it was important to teach them what to do in case there was an emergency. They were pretty young. And, and you try to do this as a parent without freaking your kid out. So we're like, we're, I remember we're sitting around the table and we're like, you know, if mom and dad are ever unconscious on the floor in the kitchen, I don't know, and you're like, suddenly you're like, uh, all right, now you're planting nightmares. And they're like, how would that happen? What happened? We're like, I don't know, but just hypothetically, if we're ever in the house and we're totally incapacitated and... This is what you're to do. You get the phone and you hit the green, this is like our landline phone, hit the green call button and just dial 911 and talk to the nice people 
and answer all their questions. And you just hope like, and I don't know where that idea, like suddenly they have to know how to do this comes from, but you just recognize one day, well, they really should know this information. And then we know it worked because a few days later, a policeman came to our house (laughs) while we were outside enjoying the sun. And he comes up, surveys the situation, walks up to Jamie and I who are just sitting there on a sunny day. Do you, uh, does anyone else live in the house? (laughs) Well, we have a young son Maybe he dialed 911. Yeah, maybe he did. <laughs> Lesson learned. He was just practicing, I guess. The implication is this, though. When your enemies come at you hard, you pray to the God of all love. And you grab his strength. You pray. When your enemies come and everything within you is going to want to do something besides Pray. It's going to want to fight back, hit back, run, freeze, whatever all those steps are. The one that you're not going to instinctually do is is drop down on your knees and pray for the Father who is merciful and kind to evil, ungrateful people to take your wounded heart, heal it up so not only can you just feel okay, so you can actually love that awful enemy in your life. Just like your Father does. That's a really important implication of knowing God is the source of all love. He doesn't withhold it and he doesn't just give it like one time. There's power in prayer. And the other implication is around your identity. Jesus knew more than anybody who walked this earth that he was a beloved son of God. And it impacted everything he said and everything he did. And yes, he was uniquely, divinely connected to the Father, but you are. He says you'll be called sons of the Most High. If Jesus is your Savior, you are a child of God, which means that your identity is secure. If your value based on your accomplishments if you think of yourself as someone who makes money primarily if your greatest source is who you are dating or married to then anyone who comes between you and that will be very hard for you to love They threaten your very existence. If your identity is God the Father has loved me, called me, brought me into his family, sent his spirit upon me, which he says he pours into us, then you can love the enemies in your life because they can't get between you and the Father. They are not a real threat to who you are and the worth God has declared in your life. One of my favorite verses, can I lift this thing out here? In the Bible is Romans 5, 5. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. But sometimes the love of God gets blocked up. We moved to Pittsburgh in July, and we discovered um, that it rains in Pittsburgh. 
every single day. <laughs> and we bought a lovely little home, and I went down after a storm, and I found three inches of water across the whole basement. I didn't quite notice it till I stepped on the carpet, and it puddled back up. And I walked into the workroom, which is a cement slab, and there was a small armada of white laundry tubs literally just floating across the floor. And I was like, what happened here? And the drain in the middle of the floor had gotten blocked up. We can get blocked up in our life from either receiving God's love or from releasing God's love. And I want to argue this. I want to argue that I think a big reason we get stopped from actually loving our enemies is we don't really understand our enemies. We just don't really understand them the way the Bible describes sin. Who are your enemies, right? In Jesus' day, they would have been thinking about the occupying Roman soldiers. They would have been thinking about the tax collectors. They may have been thinking about people just we often run into who oppress us, who hurt us, who do things that are wrong to us. So when Jesus tells them, love your enemies, do good to those who hurt you, pray for them, bless them, they would have had certain people in mind. Who is it for you, right? This, this teaching is not just something for you to hear and leave. It's for you to take in and for the word of God to come right in and show you, awaken in your heart this morning, who is my enemy? I had lunch with a young man who told me how his father was just a complete alcoholic his whole life. And he said, you know, he missed every major milestone of my life. He would go out back and get drunk and he would come in and black out or he would come in angry. He's like, I hate my dad. How does he love an enemy like that? Some of you detest our president. He offends you. He upsets you. He stands against the things you don't. How do you love an enemy like that? A friend of mine's planning a church in a modern European country. He rents a state church building. I just found out they let him use it, but they actually absolutely forbid him from doing ministry in the language of the people. How do you love an enemy like that? Enemies come in all shapes and sizes. Some of you have been persecuted because of the color of your skin, sometimes by other Christians. Some of you have been hurt because you don't make as much money, sometimes by other Christians. You've caught a glance or a look or a sentiment that you knew you weren't quite as good as others. How do you love an enemy like that? Who are your enemies? I don't know who they are. I know who's come against me, but what what do you think of them? What is the source? And this takes us to the second point, which is, and I know this isn't sort of a walkthrough of the passage. So if you were hoping for that, my apologies, this is not going to happen today. But we're going to get at this idea of loving your enemies almost like underneath at the heart level. If you understand that God is the source of all love, that's powerful stuff. But at some point, you have to make a radical break, a really radical break from our culture And understand that Satan is the source of all evil. Because if you don't, you'll always place all the blame only in the heart of your enemy. And the Bible just doesn't do that. Karis gave a wonderful testimony this morning. She mentioned Ephesians 2.1. This is the beginning of it. Listen to how Paul talks about the way we were and the way everyone is who's outside of Christ. And guys, this isn't fun to preach on. 
But this is really important because if you ever can get to be a person who actually looks with compassion on your enemies, I think this is a vital part of it. And Paul writes, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience. Paul says we're deadened in sins without Christ. We're born not innocent and unformed, but we're born rebellious. And we follow not only the course of the world, but we follow, Paul says, the prince of the power of the air. That's his word for the devil or Satan. And he says that spirit is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The people of Ephesus would say Paul's guilty of libel. Paul would say that they're guilty of ignorance. Every apostle, Peter, James, John, they all talk about Satan. They don't dwell on him in a morbid way, but they have great cognition that he exists, that his power continues, and that in some way, because we're born fallen, every single one of us has the fingerprints of the devil on our heart. There's a part of us that Paul calls the flesh or sin nature that is a natural alliance to the work of the devil. We'd never see it or say it that way. But once you start to add that into the equation of understanding your enemies, I hope that you have great compassion. They're not acting in isolation or alone. They're not merely a product of their upbringing or their genetics or a bad environment. But they, like every one of us, was born to follow the prince of the power of the air until and unless the grace of God comes in and disrupts and changes them. John said that the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. How did the Son of God destroy the work of the devil? Through love, right? Through love on the cross, given for us. Love is not a weak response. It is the power of God to overcome evil. Who are your enemies? Why was the dad a drunk who missed everything? Why do people do the evil things they do? Understand who the real enemy is and pray, pray, pray for the work of God to break into their hearts. Pray for compassion and pity and remember that you too were once an enemy of God. We weren't always his friends, were we? I want to close with a story. Before I do, though, I just want to read where Jesus says in the beginning. Come back to verse 27. I want you to just kind of hear these. Uh, Jesus was teaching the peasants. We don't need to over-explain this stuff. This is pretty clear, right? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. 
Bless those who curse you. I want the spirit. Ask the spirit, Lord God, who am I? Who are you calling me to bless who I want to curse? Who are you calling me to give to who might never repay me? Whether that's money or love or kindness or compassion. You're never getting it back. But the spirit has people. He pulls us into. And we know it's going to be a difficult relationship. We know they may be very antagonistic to us. My question is this morning on your own heart in your own life, in your life of this church, where do you feel that God nudging you to say, go back into it with love, not hate, not fight? Who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. That's being shamed. From the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Church, we're nothing if we don't have love. We're a bunch of hypocrites. And we have such a loving father. And he says, if you love people who love you, big deal. Everybody does that. That's not what I called you to do as heirs of the kingdom of God. What? blocks the heart what blocks the heart maybe you've received the love maybe you can't release it I want to just come to one major blocker and that is an enemy from your past whom you've never forgiven there was a man named Phil who shared a story with us about when he was a young boy This man's now an elder in a PCA church out near where I live. But when he was a young boy, he grew up with a a tough dad. He actually saw his dad shoot a man. So not just like a scolding dad, but a, a violent dad. And a mom who shouted a lot. And he grew up afraid of his dad and upset at his mom. And one of the things he was upset at was they had signed him up for the Boy Scouts. And they thought it was great for him. And what they didn't know is that the scout leader, when he picked him up, abused him in the car and did that to other boys. And he didn't tell anyone about it, so he grew up angry and distrustful. And by the time he was 28, he was an angry man. And when he was 29, God came into his life, and he heard about being a sinner, and he said, if anyone's a sinner, I'm a sinner. And he welcomed Jesus Christ in his life. And he said that he immediately was able to start forgiving people because he saw the gospel. He saw, all right, I'm awful too, but God loves me. I can forgive other people. And his heart started to unblock and he received love and he released love. But there was still that piece of his childhood that hadn't been dealt with. And I know I might just be speaking to a small section of you in the room right now, but there are probably people in this room who have a piece of their childhood that is undealt with, and it is a source of pain, and it flares up anger, and it stifles your ability to love your enemy today because you haven't dealt with the enemy of your past. And he buried it, and he got married, and he became a thriving, kind of helpful kind of guy. But then the anger kept coming back in. And he said after 30 years of marriage, his marriage was on the point of failure. He was angry faster and faster. His service in the church was totally compromised. 
and he felt God weighing on his soul to tell someone what had happened to him. And so he talked to his pastor and his elders, and for the first time, he told them what had happened, and they prayed for him. But he felt the Spirit of God push on him harder, and he didn't know what to do. And then one day, a detective knocked on his door, and he came in, and he said, were you part of this troop? And he said, he just, for the first time, wept and told his wife, who was sitting next to him on the couch, everything that had happened. And that river of confession enabled him to actually start praying for that scout leader. And he testified against him, because let's face it, the most loving thing to do would be for justice to roll for the sake of that man and other kids. But he was finally able to love the enemy of his past. And he said the next two years of his life, he grew more in those two years as a believer than in the past 30. If you can't love people today because of the wounds of your past, I encourage you to find someone and to start to seek healing and confession until you can pray for them, and you'll have to come back and seek healing again. Church, we have a loving Father. He's died for your sins, and he's called you to love your enemies. Let's be different than this world. Let's love. Let's give. And let's pray for God to help us see the kingdom of grace established on the ruins of the past.